Hi there, uh, MMBC family. Good to be with you today in our discussion video, our midweek discussion video, when we talk about the sermon from this past week. We're kind of starting a new series the past two weeks in Ephesians, and we've got through six verses so far. Uh, this week we looked at verses three through six together, and so we want to talk about that here today and just expound on it a little bit. But before we do that, uh, I want you to remember, I said this at the beginning of the sermon, verses 3 through 14 really are a section in and of itself. It's one sentence in the original language. It's a long, a long sentence, but it's, it's a hymn or a prayer, you could say, of Paul that he is putting out there. And so you don't want to just fragment this all on its own. You want to remember that it's, that it's held together. And it's really focusing on the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, that, that God the Father has bestowed upon us in Christ. And what we did is we just took verses 3 through 6 this week uh, to focus on them, because there's a lot, there really is a lot in this, in this little section uh, to go over uh, as we look at spiritual blessings. But uh, let's start with verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. When we look at that, guys, how do you see people maybe not fully grasping what this verse is saying? Uh, what I mean by that is I feel like I see people struggling sometimes where they are waiting on God to bless them with some spiritual blessing or they act as if if they can get a little more spiritually mature or something, they'll be able to receive this blessing. Some I don't even know necessarily what they're looking for, but this blessing from God. But it seems as if this verse really puts that to rest of saying, when you've been saved by grace and uh, what God does, He bestows every spiritual blessing on us through Christ as as Christians. So how should that encourage us? How does that help us? How can that help people who, like I said, are thinking they have to reach these certain levels before they get blessed? What do you guys what do you guys think about that first? And I would say that there's probably, first of all, a little bit of confusion about the blessings that the nature of the blessings that they should be looking for. I mean it says that every spiritual blessing, when I think people many times probably thinking a physical blessing coming to their life mm -hmm. uh, because of because they're trying to live the best they can for the Lord because they're trying to walk obediently in his commands which are all good things to do we're commanded to do those things but there's no promise of physical blessing and so I think that that might be some of what people look for in mm -hmm. their life is if I live this way God will bless me and they think primarily of, of physical blessings mm -hmm. whether that be prosperity or their health, or even the salvation of their children, mm -hmm. or something like that. So I, I would guess that's probably a way that they they don't take heart to what this means sure. necessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. No, I think that's really good. I think um, every spiritual blessing. Yeah, I mean, um, there's, there's there's so many things in the background. I think that we would you know, we we want to talk with people about like for instance the first thing I would want to uh, see is is how we get uh, saved how God saves us and he has revealed that as a, a way of covenant in scripture and in particular whenever you look at um, which the the covenant with Abraham is kind of the prototype for how God works in all of history and he does it by giving a will a testament 
a promise. He says, I'm going to give you these things. I am your God. Therefore, you're my child. Live this way. That is the basic relationship that God's people through all time have had. And so whenever we start to come to God as if I've got to do something in order to get blessing, we're slipping back into that old way of thinking, which is I've got to do something for God before God will do something for me. Mm -hmm. When the whole way salvation works is we can't do anything for God. God does everything for us, adopts us as his children, puts us in the will, gives us every spiritual blessing, and then we live for him. So I think that we just have to, I think I would like to, to spend time with people just to show them the wonderful grace that we have in Jesus Christ, because it goes back beyond that and behind that. Mm-hmm. And then every spiritual blessing, that is, um, and also is a way that we view all of life, because God does promise to protect us in this life mm-hmm. as well. He doesn't promise necessarily that we're going to live our best life now, but we are told that he cares for our bodies and our souls. Remember, Paul says, you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Your body and soul both belong to Christ and to God. But the way that God is going to give us every spiritual blessing may be through physical sufferings. And that's the way it worked with Christ, the head, the true heir. That's the way it's going to work with us if we're adopted sons and daughters as well. Mm-hmm. So we've mm-hmm. got to go through the cross mm-hmm. uh, before we can get the crown. And, and, it, think, and it is every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Like, so we're, we're thinking about these spiritual blessings. And when God saves us in Christ, all of those blessings, like we're saying, are being poured out on you. And when we say that, the question that might come up, well, what blessings are we talking about then? You know, what, what do you mean? Can we, can we give words maybe that help, help describe what the spiritual blessings are? So, for example, I mentioned some on Sunday, and it, that's really what Paul is going to go on to do here that we're going to look at. But words like redeemed, reconciled, restored, saved. You had mentioned saved, right? These are, these are words that we, could, that we could use to say to somebody, again, who's been saved by God's grace, we can say, all of these apply to you, right? Every, every single one of these apply to you. And that's what, it, it's interesting that Paul, you know, reminds this church of this, like right off the bat, like almost just laying out some really good news right off the bat. You know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's given you every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. Like, you don't have to Mm -hmm. question that. You don't have to worry about that. It's all yours. All these promises are yours. And and that is something I think that we need to think about often and be reminded of Mm -hmm. often. Because for most people that I come across, they're not this filled with pride in this sort of way where they just think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with them ever. Most people aren't that way. In fact, I see most people a lot of times are the opposite way. They they think bad about themselves a lot and no matter what they do, it's not good enough. And so they struggle with this. And this t- is good news for those people who are like, who are like that, who struggle with that. Because if you're God's child, He's poured out everything in you. He doesn't hold it back. And it's not based on how good you were today or how good you're going to be tomorrow. It's based on the fact that He loves you and He cares for you and He's a good Father to you. And He's mm-hmm. given you every spiritual blessing that you would need to be with Him and to be His. There's, there's nothing 
that can be taken or added away. He's given it, he's given it all to you. And I think it's something really good for us to reflect on and to, and to think about. Now, the question that would come up, though, <clears throat> when looking at this, and I think there's maybe some different ways to approach it, but I'd like us to talk about it, is people will say, aren't there passages, though, in Scripture that talk about our obedience to God and how as we obey God, He blesses us? How is that different maybe from this passage, or how do we, how do we reconcile this passage with those passages. Okay. What do you um, guys think? Yeah, no, I mean, we do obey God. Um, well, I think, we should. Well, we, and we should, and if we are Christians, we will. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I think what you said right there, Tim, earlier was one of the things that hit me was where you said, if we are his child, if we're God's child, then, but we should stop right there. You're God's child. Mm-hmm. So you're not a slave. It's not like God redeems you and just, it would be an honor if God bought us back and just made us his servants again. That's what, remember, that's what the, uh, the prodigal son said. Right. Just make me just your make servant. Me your servant yeah. And as sinners, rebels, it would be a privilege if God just made us as, he could justify us and make us servants again. But he doesn't do that. He adopts us as children. That's our status. And with that comes everything mm-hmm. in Christ. So I think that's where Paul, later on in Ephesians, is going to, to place. He says we should obey, but he says he puts it in the latter half of the letter. So the, the, the way that we think about obedience is, I'm God, your father. When God says this to us, I have saved you, you're mine. Therefore, Ephesians 4.1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Mm-hmm. You're God's children now. Now act like God's children. We don't act like God's children in order to become God's children. We live out of who we are now. And I think that that's a totally different way than saying, in order to become God's child, I'll act this way. Or in order to get his favor, I will act this way. Because then again, we're slipping back into that mentality that I've got to buy and merit and purchase and earn his love. And that's not the way we live the Christian life. We live the Christian life knowing that we could never earn it, but he's given it as a free gift to us. And we live out of gratitude for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we have to continually practice okay. and, and remind ourselves mm-hmm. of it. So what are the blessings, do you think, that are talked about in terms of obedience? Where we do mm-hmm. see that, where it's... Because there are, there are passages that we can go mm-hmm. to where we see, you know, obey, and when you obey, you'll be blessed. We see that in the Old Testament for sure with um, Israel and God and their relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, obey my commands. I'll be your God. You know, I'll protect you, all these things. And then we see Israel not, right? They disobey, and as a result, okay, you know, now this right. is going to happen. God allows right. these things to happen. So mm. how, do we, how do we answer that when people come and ask us, yeah, but it says, if I obey, I will be blessed. I feel like I'm obeying, but I don't see the blessings. Mm-hmm. I don't see them. What's going on? You know, what's the problem? Is it me? Is it God? Mm-hmm. Is this wrong? What? I mean, there's a lot of different ways to steer that conversation, right? And so it's hard to answer that general question without, number one, knowing who it is that's asking me the question, Mm -hmm. knowing what specific passage we're talking about, Mm -hmm. because I might say something different. But Mm -hmm. um, I guess like something that I could think of first would be the fact that you're even able to obey in itself is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that you have the Spirit of God living in you and that you are 
in a way, living in obedience to God is simply living in the design that God has created you to live in. Um, and so being set free from whether it's no longer walking in sin, but walking in holiness, that's, um, that's something that God has enabled you to do. And that's a blessing in and of itself. The other places, like I think of even um, like later on in Ephesians, this might be what a person's talking about when they get to this. But like in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, when it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Then it has in parentheses, this is the first commandment with a promise. You know, And then he says what the promise is, that it may go well with you in, and that you may live long in the land. Hmm. So I think people would see that. That's a blessing, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a very practical outworking to following that line of thinking of your parents are instructing you so that you might live a good life, so that you might not make mistakes that would potentially ruin your life. Um, and so there, there is, I mean, God's, God in His wisdom has, <clears throat> has commanded us to do things, not just because that's His preference, but because it really is the best way for you to live your life. Um, and when you live, I mean, you can go to the book of Proverbs and find this everywhere. I mean, so much of it is, this is revealed wisdom from the Lord, but there are generally good outcomes for people that walk in obedience and walk in righteousness as opposed to wickedness. Mm-hmm. But so much of that is not necessarily God supernaturally pouring out physical blessing on you. It's much more just the natural outworking of life in, in this world. I don't know, that might be mm-hmm. like how I explain it to a person, mm-hmm. depending on mm-hmm. the question and the mm-hmm. passage mm-hmm. that they're asking. But I think Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 <clears throat> is, is a pretty good example of that. Mm-hmm. Of that. Mm-hmm. It's not because God's not pouring some crazy blessing out on you because you're super spiritual and awesome, but you're listening to your parents' instruction, and your mm-hmm. parents are trying to raise you so that you make good choices, so that you do good things. And uh, a lot of, if, if you live in obedience to what they're telling you to do and you honor them in that, there will be naturally good things that come from that. Mm-hmm. It's not some super spiritualized understanding yeah. of yeah. blessing mm-hmm. and obedience, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, I, I think know, if you go to the mm-hmm. Psalms, you'll see a lot of Psalms that say things <clears throat> that can trip us up when thinking about this because the writer of the Psalm will say like, I've done this, you know, and I've strived to do this for you. And now Lord bless you know, now, Lord, bless me and destroy my enemies and do this and that. And that's very uh, physical blessings that are being looked for. And so we start to pray that in our own life. We say, oh, David would pray this. Now, I'm, I should be praying this. I should obey and ask for God to, you know, conquer my enemies and, and to bless my kingdom, you know, and to bless my thing. And I think we, there's other, there's things going on there that we can't do. We can't put ourselves at the seat of David, right. number one. Right? Well, and do you want the, the bad things that happen to David too, <laughs> yeah. right? right? I mean, do you, do you want those? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I think, I think the biggest thing behind a lot of that, though, is, is what happens is, is we separate the law from the lawgiver. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will start taking these principles as if they're just life principles and Scott was Scott was saying, I think, and, and you would agree with this, like we're saying you live this way within the context of a relationship with God. But I think so many people are also saying um, they're, t- they're starting to strip the law away right. from the mm-hmm. lawgiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I will be disciplined if I disobey as a child. So my kids, I have children. I discipline them. 
not because I hate them and not because they're, ha they're losing the status of being my children. It's because they're my children that I discipline them. Yeah, That's 12. what Hebrews 12, I turned right there. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is the temptation of Satan. <clears throat> Of, to Jesus. If you're God's kid, if you're the capital S son of God, he doesn't let his kids suffer. So you can't, so show me that you're the son of God. And Jesus says, no, this is exactly, it's because I'm the son of God that my father lets me go through these things. Mm -hmm. And that's the temptation we have to remember is that <clears throat> God does bless our obedience in certain ways, but he does so as a father to his children. And we want to always remember that even when we obey and good things come to us, they come from the hand of the Father. And if we, we are going to be disciplined for, obedient, for disobedience, but we don't lose our standing as children. Mm -hmm. God doesn't cast us out and make us slaves again. Mm -hmm. But so much of the time, I think people, if we, so we want to obey God. But if we start to separate the law from the lawgiver, we're going to find ourselves back in bondage again. And we're finding ourselves, our relationship with God practically, even if it's not this way, really, practically we exist as, as independent contractors with God. And we're just signing the paper and saying, I'll do stuff for you if you do stuff for me. Yeah. And that's not the way this relationship works. Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, people who would come and have this question about obedience and why am I not being blessed? If you could really take that person and, and draw them outside of themselves to look at the big picture of their life and say, you look at your life right now and you tell me God hasn't blessed you. Mm. Like you look at your life and you tell me he hasn't blessed you. Mm -hmm. Where? You know, where, how is your life so miserable, your whole span of life? And there are some people, no doubt, who've had rough lives and mm -hmm. difficult lives. And we can go even throughout history. And I think we, when we talk about this stuff, we, we think of people who've suffered greatly. Even Paul himself said how much he suffered uh, for Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. But a lot of Christians we know today are not experiencing that suffering around us. And so in our context of where we are, to take, to take a Christian and say, Tell me how bad your life is, that God hasn't been good to you. You know, and they point to these certain things, maybe of health or some, mm -hmm. some circumstance that's happening right now. And it's like, well, yeah, you're 70 years old and you're starting to have some ailments, you know, or your friends are getting older and so death, you're being around mm -hmm. it more. But let's, let's look at your life at a whole, as a whole and tell me where God failed. And then when we look at this verse and we understand that every spiritual blessing is ours, he does mm -hmm. not fail there, absolute, for sure. And now we're just worried about all these earthly things and all these temporary things. And we, we start to push these blessings, these spiritual blessings aside because we want the blessings now. And it's a, it's a misunderstanding. It's a focus that uh, we shouldn't have. We should be focusing in on what really matters. And that is the fact that in Christ, as verse uh, 6 says, as verse 5 and 6 talk about, God's adopted me into his family in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I'm heir to everything, right? And this materials, all these things, and I'm going to reign with him. I get to be with him. And that's the stuff that, again, our focus should be on. But we become so inward and so worldly that we allow, I think, those questions sometimes to be louder mm -hmm. than, than the answers that we actually have. Yeah. I know? think it's interesting. I mean, he says... Um, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I mean, that kind of reminds you of Jesus' words when he tells people not to lay up treasures for yourself here on earth, but where? 
lay up treasures for yourself in heaven where mm. moth and rust do not destroy, mm. where the thief does not break in and steal. You know, it's like where even the idea of, I mean, I, I know, understand what you were saying, but like even mm -hmm. asking a person, look at your life and tell me God hasn't blessed you. There are many people that have opu opulent, opulent lives, you know, here. Word. And I don't know if I'm even <laughs> saying it right, but <laughs> of, of lives of luxury and mm -hmm. prominence and fame that are absolutely miserable. Mm. Because the only true, I mean, true blessing is having a, being at peace with God mm -hmm. in a relationship with Him. Without that, mm. all the rest of your life is in turmoil, mm -hmm. no matter how peaceful yeah. it looks, you know. And so it's like, where, where is your treasure? This says that your treasure is in heaven. God has mm -hmm. blessed you with blessings in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, that, and some people will even take the verse you're talking about, which is store up for yourself treasures in heaven. So now they're working really hard to store up treasures in heaven. Right? Sure. I'm going yeah. to witness this person. I'm going to hold the door open for this person. I'm going to volunteer here. I'm going to do this. I'm just storing up tons of treasure in heaven. And I mean, I guess I would more appeal to this verse here and say, God's actually stored up all the treasure for me. Well, also, it's all there. And also... <laughs> Again, it goes back to the relationship. God, Jesus' entire, if the first part, really maybe first half of the entire Sermon on the Mount is remember that you have God the Father as your Father. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, they shall see God. You're becoming sons of God. And then he says, do all these things remembering that your Father sees them. Mm -hmm. So, again, Jesus is not simply giving a bare thing, saying store up all this treasure. You have a Father you're yeah. his child. Mm -hmm. Act mm -hmm. like it again, mm -hmm. because Jesus was acting the same way yeah. as the capital S son of right. God. It goes back. I think if we separate our relationship from God, we, 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 we will default into trying to earn his love some way or earn something some way. Mm -hmm. And then what actually happens is if we're not able to love. Yeah. Because we're still trying to make it about mm -hmm. ourselves and earning. Yeah. And, you know, we get on people for that. We talk about that a lot. And I think scripture does that. We. You're not going to earn God's love. Don't don't try to do that. But it is very normal for us because every other relationship we have in the world, we have to earn love. Every every single one. I mean, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that way maybe in some relationships, but it is the case. Right. You know, that you with a teacher, you need to earn their love. You know, with parents at times, you have to earn their love. Uh, and so... It's hard to get out of that mold, even in our relationship with God, because it's just so natural for us yeah. to have to earn everything. Yeah, and I think for somebody who's wondering, like, well, then what is my motivation for doing these things? Like, yes, I have a relationship mm -hmm. with God, but mm -hmm. if I don't have to earn His love, if He's already given me things, what, what's my motivation mm. for, for doing those things? Like you referenced back into the Sermon on the Mount, where I brought mm -hmm. up. Like he just had just gotten done going through kind of like a series of things and questioning your motivation for doing those, mm -hmm. who you're receiving your reward from. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what he's getting at is that like your, your action in doing those things and living in obedience to God, they're acts of worship out of response to what he has done for you in that sense. And, and so like you're not doing it to earn it. You're doing it as an act of worship to the Lord for mm -hmm. what he's already done for you. Yeah. And, and that's enough. Mm -hmm. It's hard to think of a comparison, but I'd have to think most of us have faced a situation in life where something was given to us. Maybe it was trust or something like that, that we really deep down, we were like, I did. I don't know if I deserve this. And so we work really hard to prove ourselves worthy of the position we got or of the gift that we got um, or whatever it might be. And 
we're just kind of awestruck that the person would look at us and bestow upon us this honor or this gift. And so then we want to be worthy of that of that honor, right? We, we want to be worthy of that gift. And so when you think about that feeling, if you've been in that situation before, magnify that millions and millions of times to think of what God has done for us by pouring out his grace on us that is very undeserving. And so then to ask the question, well, then why would I go on to honor him and to serve him if I don't need to because he loves me? Well, because the what he has done is so amazing. How could I not? How could I not go and serve him and honor him? He's put on me, you know, righteous, the, the righteousness of Christ. He's put on me that I'm an heir to all things. He's, he's put on me that I am his child and he's called me into his family and I get to call him father. I don't deserve any of this. And so how could I not then do my best to honor him, to serve him? I guess you could say it this way, to try to live up to some standard. I, I mean, I know we can't live up, but to just try to be holy and be blameless, that's the last thing. I, I mean, that's the only thing I can do for him. I can't do anything else but then just to try to serve him in gratitude. But sadly, you have a lot of people sitting in the pews who just don't express that gratitude. You know, they don't live a life of gratitude for what God has done for them. And I think there's multiple reasons. But one is there's not a full understanding of what God has done for you, which really leads us to our next section, which we don't need to stay on too much. But um, verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be home, holy and blameless before him. This we talked about election. We talked about God choosing. And it's a sticky point for some people. And, you know, you hear a lot of debate about it. Really, I don't know. How long have we been debating this, Spencer? Uh, I mean, since uh, Paul's time. A long time, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's been a long time that this has been going on and being talked about. But when, when you think about the, and remember, I said that when we think about election, the first thing that we need to do is change the way we think about it. Because too often we think of why not them and why them. The question should be, why anybody? Why in the world would God choose anybody? He shouldn't. And we can go all the way back to Israel and ask the question with Israel. Why did God choose Israel? He could have chose somebody else, but he chose Israel. Well, why? Because they were so awesome? <laughs> no, they always failed, it seems. They always seem to fall short. But yet, he chose them as his people. And we have the same thing on us as Christians. Why did he, why did he choose me? Well, I don't know. But what we should be amazed by is that he did choose you. And if God chose me, then I want to honor him. I, look, at, he chose us in him for the foundation of the world. Why? That we should be holy and blameless before him. And so if he chose me and saved me, then what I want to do is I want to be holy and I want to be blameless before him. Right? I want to do everything I can to honor him and to show him how much I appreciate him and love him and care for him. And so the way that that works out, as we're going to see in Ephesians, is I'm going to submit to my church family. We're going to submit to each other, and that's how we honor God. I'm going to love my wife and my kids. That's how I honor God. I'm going to obey my parents and honor my parents. That's how I honor God, right? I'm going to be a good worker or a good boss. That's how I honor God. Like, we see how it starts to starts to play out, and so... We could stay on the election train for a long time. And to be honest, I've got some really good questions from some people in our congregation about it. 
And what I would encourage you who are listening, we, we'll, we might talk about it here some more, but what I would encourage you who are listening is wrestle with it. Like wrestle with the, with the questions that you have. I've had a lot of people ask me about God choosing and our free will because it says by faith, right? You must accept this. How does this, how does this work together? Great questions. Like I love that people are thinking about that. I love that people are hearing it and wrestle with it. Pray about it. You know, seek God's face, seek his word and see that, yeah, both are true. We, the, God's word speaks of election. God's word speaks of you must accept by faith. It talks about faith as a gift as well of God. Like we can go into all these things. And so we have to try to put these together. But for me, when we step back from it and the big thing, when you look at God chose me and in choosing me, he's given me every spiritual blessing in Christ. Then I should try my best to be holy and blameless before him. I don't know if you guys have anything else on the election thing. Uh, not the election that just happened, this one, uh, in, in the passage that we're talking about here. Uh, but uh, There's some jokes going on. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm um, he just gave me like an alley-oop. I did. You're ready to go. You could have slammed that thing. I, uh, I don't want to impeach my character. <laughs> uh, he couldn't resist. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't resist. <laughs> Um, <laughs> You're bad. Your wife said not to do that. Yeah. Um, I think I, I You're about to be disappointed. I think just stepping back about the whole, uh, you know, before we get to um, even the questions of election and free will and all those things, I think it's important to step back even farther and just reflect for a little bit on who God is and and who we are particularly well before the fall and after the fall because whatever God is doing here and I have convictions about what this verse means but I believe that God is more compassionate and gracious than I could ever be so whatever whatever his plan is it's better than anything I could make and even if I think I have, I long for the salvation of other people, God desires it a lot more. Mm -hmm. He's more gracious. He's perfect. He yeah. is grace. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I think I don't want to give myself too much credit and, or any of us credit as if this is where I think what we would talk about the doctrine of original sin, about how broken we really are. Paul will say later on, you're dead in sins and trespasses. That's a metaphor to describe spiritual death. I think I just want to, I think that I would like to ask people to explore those topics in the background of this before we even then get to election uh, and, and predestination and, and uh, the language of being chosen. Um, because whenever, in verse 4, even as he chose us in him, election is the friend of sinners. The fact that God reaches down to us and saves us and rescues us is grace. So this is not scary God. This is God in the midst of our mess that we've made in rebellion against him, choosing to have mercy. And that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And I think just celebrating that and then having them, like you said, wrestle with what exactly this means. But I just want, I think those are two helpful topics 
in the background that we need to think about when we bring to this yeah, discussion about absolutely. what election means right. and mm -hmm. God's character and then especially my character as a sinner. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, what you just said is really helpful. To that person asking those questions, I would just encourage them, yeah, you wrestle through it, but really hang tight. Mm. Hang tight because we're going through the whole book of Ephesians. Right, yeah. And these right. topics are going to come up again, mm -hmm. and they're going to be explored even deeper mm -hmm. and different aspects of them. Mm -hmm. And even what you just said, like our nature and God's nature are going to be explored mm -hmm. even. And so I would just encourage that person, don't, don't try to answer that question this week. Yeah. Like, no, just yeah. hang, oh, hang tight. Well, we know? said it's been being wrestled with for 2,000 years yeah. right. in the church. Right. And yeah. so, yeah. So yeah. I, I was yeah. just saying, like, don't try to rush through, but just be willing to hang tight and listen to what the rest of Ephesians has to say. Yeah. Because I think, like, taking your time to wade through murky subjects like that, you just need to take your time. Yeah. And so just be willing to take your time. That's good. One of the things when we enter into a relationship with people is at first we take them for how they are. You know, we don't really know them maybe yet, but we enter this relationship with them, whatever it is, friendship, um, romantic relationship, whatever it might be. But, but what happens a lot of times is as you get to know that person more and more, you, you try to tweak them in some way, right? You see rough spots on them and you try to polish them. You try to, you know, change their character or change this. And that's where a lot of fights come with our spouses, you know, <laughs> they say, you knew this coming into the relationship. This is how I am. I'm a messy person. Don't try to change me, maybe. And you have these arguments. I think sometimes this is how we approach our relationship with Christ. We are with, with God is we come into this relationship with him. We, we, we believe in his word, right? And we trust in him. And so we start to dive into God's Word more and we start to want to learn about Him. And so we start to learn things about Him that can be confusing or can be difficult or can be hard. And we start to bring to the table these preconceived notions of what grace is, what love is, or who God should be. And when we see something in Scripture like this, like election, it can become easy for us to say, I don't like that about God. If this is true, that he's choosing, then I have questions and I have problems because wouldn't this be loving? Wouldn't this be more caring? Wouldn't this be? And we have to remember that God has revealed himself to us in his word and we cannot change who he is. We cannot redefine him. That's not our place. We should just be thankful that he tells us who he is and he reveals to us his character. And like you had mentioned, which is so helpful, he's way more compassionate than I could ever be. He's way more full of grace than I would ever be or loving. Just to be honest, if, I mean, if, if we have those problems, I would say this. If you were God, if I was God, Time out. nobody's getting in. <laughs> Time you know, out. What? If, remember, right? I remember one of my seminary friends <clears throat> would say, you know, people would say, if I was God, hey, time out. That's blasphemy. Well, I know, you know I, I, mean, I know, I but it, well, I'm saying we, we try to act, <laughs> we try to act like we're more compassionate, right, right. that we're more loving, that we're more caring, yeah, and that's just not right. that's just not true. Because if somebody goes against me one time, okay, right. you go against me two times, maybe okay, maybe three, four, maybe even to the tenth time. But at some point, you're out. You're out of my life, you know, or I can't right. I can't have a lot to do with you. And we have a God who 
we all turned our back on, and yet he pours his grace out on people. And it, right. it shouldn't happen, but he does. And I think that's what we, I, we need to remember as we approach uh, God's word is that he is revealing to us who he is. It's not our job to tell him who he should be or who he is. He does that. And so when he says, I am God, I am one, but I am three persons in one, we believe that. We might struggle with that. We might not know how all of that functions and fits, but we have to take it for what it says. When he says, I'm a God who chooses, I'm a God who gives a gift of grace, the gift of faith, and you must accept this. We have to believe that. How those work, how those all fit, struggle. We struggle and we think about that and we wonder how it is. But we can't change who God is because when we do that, I mean, what you just said is it, that's blasphemous mm -hmm. to change who He is. Right. And we have to be careful so with that. Wonderful. I think you know, just read, even starting from Genesis. God, right? We sin, we rebel. He's been so good to us, and the first things out of His mouth are not curses upon the man and the woman. Mm -hmm. The first thing out of His mouth is grace. Yeah. Right. That's the kind of God we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. I curse the snake mm -hmm. first. There are ramifications for your sin, but just so mm -hmm. you know, I'm a God, right? And again, we talk about Moses. The first thing, I'm the God, gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I won't clear the guilty of their transgressions, but first and foremost, God of grace. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think whenever you're right, we, we let him, Luther had a phrase, let God be God. And, and that's really what the Christian life is. <laughs> yeah, is I'm not right. going to rule my life. I'm going to let God be God. Mm -hmm. He's going to play the part. Yeah. And I'll let him do that. Mm -hmm. I'll mm -hmm. let him do the saving. Yeah. And, and I'll just receive, like you said, whatever he gives in the book, I receive because he's God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And, it's, and it, it takes us, you know, we have to push ourselves aside. Yeah. And it's difficult. Um, but... Again, I think these are good things to wrestle with. As Scott said, it's not, you know, if, if in this sermon, you know, it sparks some questions in your mind, you're not going to come to church Sunday with the answers, probably. And you shouldn't, at least. If you do, you think you do, you're probably mistaken. Um, you think you're smarter than you really are. Uh, and we, it just takes time together. It takes um, graciousness in conversations. It takes reading books, usually, of people who are very smart, who wrote things. Um, it takes being together to go through all of Ephesians together. And so hopefully uh, God will continue to be kind to us and help us to see who he is in his character and the truth of his word and then how that plays out in our life uh, as we go through Ephesians together. So uh, thank you guys uh, today. Thank you for being with us. Uh, look forward to seeing you Sunday, Lord willing, and hope you have a blessed week.